0: Welcome to The God Solution, where we discuss answers to humanity's questions about God and God's answers for humanity's questions. I'm Nate Herbst, and I am excited to be back in the studio with you again this weekend. Well, I hope you've been enjoying the past God Solution show shows. Last week's show, we talked a little bit about the Planned Parenthood videos, and if you've been paying attention, they dropped another one this week. I do want to discuss that briefly, but before I touch on that, I wanted to tell you a little bit about what you have to look forward to this week and in the coming weeks. Again, if you want to get our past shows, you can go to GodSolutionsShow.com, get all of our past shows there under the past shows tabs. You can stay in touch with us and do a lot more at GodSolutionsShow.com. And coming up in the next few weeks or months, we're going to have Dr. Paul Copen on. We're going to have Dr. Michael Brown on. We're going to have Jay Warner Wallace on. Today, we're going to have Dr. Hugh Ross on. We're going to be having many others coming on the show that are going to be incredible, incredible interviews. And so you don't want to be missing all that is coming up. Again, we're going to get to that interview with Dr. Hugh Ross, noted astronomer, apologist, scientist, Christian, theologian, author, and the director of Reasons to Believe in Apologetics Ministry. So we're going to talk to him in just a few minutes here, but I wanted to First, go back to our show last week. My friend Austin Crocus and I were talking a little bit about the Planned Parenthood videos and just the unbelievable horror that these videos portrayed. Again, these undercover videos have been coming out. A third was just released since last week's show, and apparently there are nine left to be released in the coming weeks. Now, if you're listening today, if you heard last week's show, great. If you didn't, go to Godsolutionshow.com and get it. I just want to implore you to be active concerning this important issue. Here we have human lives at stake and the conversation is absolutely disgusting and deplorable. The fact that human beings are being butchered for their body parts and sold on the black market and the fact that our taxpayer dollars are actually going in the quantity of hundreds of millions to a company that does this. thats unthinkable. The fact that we live in a society where 3,000 babies a day can be murdered legally. That's just unthinkable. So I would encourage you to do a few things. I would encourage you as a Christian, first, to be praying. Prayer is powerful, and prayer really does work. I pray that you would be praying about this issue. Second, I hope that you'll give money to Pro-Life Ministries and help fight the battle for the unborn. And third, I pray that you would vote your conscience so many elections come and go and Christians don't get involved because they're so afraid of being offensive or whatever I hope that you'll be different and that you'll actually vote this time around for a candidate that recognizes the incredible value of an unborn baby made in God's very image and is committed to protecting that baby and finally if you have friends that have had abortions or if you have I want you to know that there's hope in Jesus Christ you can come to him And you can experience forgiveness simply by putting your faith and trust in him. At the end of the show, I'll tell you a little bit more about how you can do that. Well, again, thanks for listening. Like I said, today we're going to be talking with Dr. Hugh Ross, who is an astronomer and best-selling author. He travels the globe speaking on the compatibility of advancing scientific discoveries and the timeless truths of Christianity. His organization, Reasons to Believe, is dedicated to demonstrating via a variety of resources and events that science and biblical faith are allies, not enemies. His books include Why the Universe is the Way It Is, Hidden Treasures in the Book of Job, and Navigating Genesis. I'm also reading his most recent release and revision of A Matter of Days Resolving a Creation Controversy. I think it's a thoughtful and humble approach to the controversial topic, of young earth versus old earth creationism. Yes, Dr. Hugh Ross is an old earth creationist. Now if you're new to the show, I've talked about this before and I try to let people know that I am not an old earth creationist, nor a young earth creationist. I'm a humble creationist. I think there is some ambiguity in Genesis and I think God designed it that way to continually draw us into the mystery of his word. There are things that aren't precisely clear, and I'm okay with that, and I think we should all be okay with that. And we shouldn't become defensive about those things. We should be defensive about those things that are absolute in Scripture, like the fact that God divinely and intentionally created man, and he didn't do it through a process of evolution. So we're going to be talking to Dr. Hugh Ross today. He is an old earth creationist, and what that means is that he is a creationist, not an evolutionist. So hear him out. Whatever end of the spectrum you find yourself on, I hope that you'll give him a fair shake and listen to him and see what he has to say. I think you'll find that he approaches this topic with a strong commitment to biblical inerrancy and additionally a strong commitment to scientific evidence. And I think he does a good job of showing how the two are not in conflict but go hand in hand. So it's going to be an exciting interview. Again, I'm currently reading his most recent revision of A Matter of Days, Resolving a Creation Controversy. I haven't finished it yet, but you could pick that up at Amazon. You could also find out more about Dr. Ross at reasons.org. Without any further ado, welcome to The God Solution Show, Dr. Hugh Ross. Thank you. I am just beginning to read A Matter of Days, Resolving a Creation Controversy. And it has been a thoughtful and humble approach to this important topic. Thanks so much for writing that book and so much more.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. My pleasure.
0: So first of all, please tell me how you came to faith in Jesus Christ.
1: Well, I was born, raised, and educated in Canada and uh, got very serious about studying astronomy when I was seven years of age. And it was at age 16 that I spent a year studying cosmology, uh, the science of the origins and history of the universe. And I was persuaded that at that time of all the different explanations for the history of the universe, the one that was best fitting the observations was the Big Bang. And if I knew it was Big Bang, there was a beginning. If there was a beginning, there had to be a beginner. And so I started looking for that beginner, and I began with Immanuel Kant and Descartes, and I recognized that they had some wrong ideas about the universe, and then I went to the great religions of the world, Hinduism, Buddhism, Islam uh... mormonism uh, christianity and uh... when i picked up the bible i realized of all the holy books i've looked at and all the books of philosophies i studied this is the only one that had correctly predicted the features of the universe i was astounded to discover that the bible had all the uh, critical elements of big bang cosmology recorded thousands of years ago and i realized that no book of science even hinted at big bang cosmology until the 20th century so that persuaded me that the bible was consistently and accurately predicting future scientific discoveries and the only way that could be possible is that the bible was inspired by the one that actually did the deed so it was at age 19 and i signed my name in the back of a gideon bible giving my life to jesus christ and i probably had times where i met christians uh pleadingly but i didn't really get to know christians until eight years later uh, when I took up a faculty position at the California Institute of Technology.
0: So a lot of times Christians react to that word, the Big Bang. I remember being a chemistry student, that was my undergraduate degree, someone showed me a picture of the Hubble Ultra Deep Field and said, this is proof of the Big Bang, basically. And when I saw that picture, I remember feeling like I got punched in the gut because I had always been told that this was the opposite of creationism, the opposite of the biblical account. Later on, I found that this was actually quite compelling evidence for the existence of a creator. Is that correct? Uh,
1: That is definitely correct, and that was recognized by astronomers when the Big Bang was first proposed. In fact, one reason for uh, it being uh, rejected so strongly was the fact that it had biblical implications. And so the reason why the steady-state model was predicted, the oscillating universe model was predicted, is because astronomers did not want uh, the Christian implications of Big Bang cosmology. But the physical evidence became so overwhelming, they were forced to accept the Big Bang in spite of the fact that it pointed to the God of the Bible as the creator of the universe.
0: So now science confirms that the universe began a finite time ago out of nothing, and that's incredible evidence for those of us who have put our faith in Jesus Christ and what the Bible says. The Bible does say in Psalm 19.1 that the heavens declare the glory of God, the skies proclaim the work of his hands. As an astronomer, what are some ways that you see the heavens proclaiming the work of God's hands?
1: Well, I mean, what persuaded me as a young man was realizing that the Bible stood alone in saying we live in an expanding universe, that the universe not only is a beginning of matter and energy, at the beginning is space and time itself. And so when I studied the space-time theorems, I realized here was proof that the God of the Bible was creating the universe. And we you look at the expansion of the universe, that's where we see the most uh, compelling evidence that a God has supernaturally designed the universe for the benefit of human beings. And it goes on. The Bible talks repeatedly about how the laws of physics don't change. And we now can measure those laws of physics at many different look-back times And indeed, it proves that the Bible got it right. And there's a pervasive law of decay that governs the whole of the universe, what we call entropy. And with that entropy, that implies that the universe gets colder and colder as it gets older and older. I think you can see those are all the critical elements of Big Bang cosmology. And for thousands of years, the Bible stood alone as the only book that was making these declarations about the universe. And in terms of the heavens, I think what impresses me is that the universe must be exactly the size that we see no bigger no smaller in order for human beings to be able to live at this time in history so literally the whole universe exists to make it possible for us to have this planet in which we can live
0: so dr frank turek was on this show a while back and recently i was looking at his website and he names you as one of the top twenty apologists alive today i don't know if you knew that but no, I didn't know that. He does. So uh, congratulations on that. That's a great endorsement from Dr. Turk. But as we talk about apologetics, and this show is a show that airs to both a secular and to a Christian audience on different stations, what's so important about apologetics?
1: Well, it tells us in 1 Peter 3 that we always need to be ready to give the reasons for the hope within us, with gentleness, respect, and a pure conscience. God's Holy Spirit is moving amongst the unsaved peoples of the world, uh, preparing them to hear. And uh, God is wanting us as Christians to be able to develop the evidence of the reasons that these people need in order they can come to faith in Christ. I mean, I am a prime example of that. If it wasn't for the historical and scientific evidence, uh, for the truthfulness of the Bible, I don't think I would have become a Christian.
0: That's great. Great reasoning. I don't you know, I don't know if I would have remained a Christian if it wasn't for that evidence. I've talked on this show freely about growing up in a Christian family, but encountering tremendous doubt in my teenage years and I looked for evidence both for the historicity of the Bible's claims and for, you know, textual reasons to believe the Bible, and for scientific ones, you know, having this background in chemistry and having a, a heart for other sciences as well. I needed to see some of this evidence, and I sure am glad people like you have been providing it for us. So thank you.
1: Oh, well, you're very welcome.
0: So what is Reasons to Believe? This is your ministry, correct? What What is Reasons to Believe? Will you describe that for us?
1: Yeah, well, you know, the Bible tells us that God has given us two revelations, the Book of Nature and the Book of Scripture. So I founded Reasons to Believe to demonstrate to people how the Book of Nature establishes the credibility, the integrity of the book of Scripture. And that science is not the enemy of the Christian faith, it's the ally of the Christian faith. And also established it to uh, show people that our Christian faith is testable. It tells us in the Psalms and Proverbs that the more we look at nature, the more evidence we're going to see for the handiwork of God. So a lot of what we do here is uh, keep tabs on the frontiers of scientific research, to demonstrate that the more we learn about science, the more new reasons we have to believe in Jesus Christ as creator, Lord, and Savior. I mean, literally about 10 papers are being published every day in the scientific literature that help us make a stronger case uh, for the Christian faith. And so that's what we do is provide people with new reasons to believe and show them how to use those new reasons to bring people to faith in Jesus Christ.
0: I often say on this show that an open mind, honest heart, humble disposition, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And I really believe it's true that if someone comes to the evidence and they look at it with an open mind and a humble heart and an honest search and diligently willing to pursue the data wherever they lead, they will find Jesus. And I'm glad that you're looking at the evidence with that same optimism and hope. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to The God Solution Show. You can go to godsolutionshow.com and find out a little bit more about the stations that we're on and past shows and a bunch of different stuff. Today we're interviewing Dr. Hugh Ross. It's been a great interview so far, and I hope that you'll stay tuned and listen to the rest of it. So how did this ministry begin? I've read a little bit about how it began in your book, but I'd like to hear it straight from you.
1: Well, I was an astronomer at Caltech. And I was a Canadian, so I only had uh, three years on my visa, and I was actually planning to go back to Canada or go to Europe to continue my research. And the church where I was attending and involved in a number of evangelistic ministries said, what would it take to get you to stay? And so it's a long story, but they gave me a a job that enabled me to get an H-1 visa, so I was able to stay in the country. And after working as their minister of evangelism, where I was showing people how to use science, As a tool to bring people of faith in Jesus Christ, the leaders of our church came to me and said, We want to help you launch an organization because we think this is a message for the world, not just for our church. And so that happened uh, 30 years ago.
0: Wow. Our ministry, Master Plan Ministries, is also celebrating its 30th anniversary this year. So I guess you started about the same time Master Plan started. That's wonderful. So could you share your mission with us? What's the mission of Reasons to Believe?
1: Well, the mission is to show people that there's not conflict between nature and the Bible, that nature actually provides with powerful new tools uh, to demonstrate that Jesus Christ is greater Lord and Savior. And a charge that I often run into in university campuses is that creationism is not science because it's not testable, it's not falsifiable, and it doesn't make predictions of future scientific discoveries. So a core of our mission is showing to secular people that we have a testable, falsifiable, predictive creation model. And so our evangelism has always been founded on our testable creation model. We're actually able to show people, month by month, how the case gets stronger and stronger for the Christian faith. And so, you know, we speak on university campuses, we speak in churches and schools, uh, we do books and DVDs, And our whole goal is to directly reach people for faith in Jesus Christ at all intellectual levels, including even the Nobel laureate who came to Christ through our ministry, uh, but also to equip people uh, who are Christians to use the tools that we develop as a way that they can bring people to faith in Christ. I mean, for example, uh, people will buy our books. They may not read them, but they give them away to non-Christian friends and have seen people come to Christ as a result.
0: So why do you find integration of faith and science so important?
1: Well, if there's a God, it's a God that uh, is going to be consistent. And so one of the proofs for the Christian faith is that everywhere we look, we see a consistent, harmonious message. And so part of the mission of Reasons to Believe is showing people how all the different scientific disciplines seamlessly integrate together to reveal truth. But we also do that with the 66 books of the Bible, show people how these 66 books of the Bible can be seamlessly integrated. So a core of our ministry is what we call constructive integration, where we show people how these different scientific disciplines, these different books of the Bible, uh, seamlessly integrate. And, uh, you know, the more we learn about Scripture, the more it's going to help us to understand the book of nature The more we learn about the book of nature, the more it's going to help us to understand and explore the book of Scripture.
0: I'm excited to hear a little bit more from you about your organization. It's been great hearing about Reasons to Believe. I would invite our audience right now to go to reasons.org. Again, that's reasons.org to find out more. And again, I'll just say thanks one more time. I remember, gosh, this is probably seven, eight years ago, nine years ago. I forget. I was preparing for a series of debates on our campus with the Campus Atheist Club, and I came across your website for the first time at that point, and two articles in particular were significantly important for me as I prepared for those debates and answered some internal questions and doubts that I had. So thank you for your ministry.
1: Oh, you're very welcome. That's exactly why, why we're here.
0: Great. Okay, so now kind of veering into a little bit of the evidence and some of the particulars of your ministry, if you had to choose one or two things that impacted you the most as evidence for a creator, what would those one or two things be?
1: The origin of the universe, the origin of life, the origin of humanity, and the design of the universe and earth that makes life possible here on planet earth.
0: Would you mind explaining those at all for us?
1: Yeah, well, I made that point because those have consistently have been the four most compelling scientific evidences for the Christian faith. That hasn't changed over the course of the past hundred years. So, for example, with the universe, we now have theorems that tell us that if the universe contains mass and if general relativity reliably describes the movements of bodies in the universe, then space and time have a beginning, space and time are created implying a causal agent beyond space and time that brought the universe into existence, which is why you see in the community of atheist physicists, and astronomers a concession that deism cannot be taken off the table. What's interesting about the debate in the physics and astronomy community about God is it's all focused on whether God is a personal being, not whether or not there's a causal agent, because the space-time theorems have now proven that, beyond any reasonable shadow of doubt. And in terms of the personality of the Creator, uh, the fact that we live in a universe that expands and must be exquisitely fine-tuned in the rate that it expands so that you get the elements that are necessary for light. Uh, A universe that expands too fast will only give you hydrogen and helium. A universe that expands too slow will only give you elements heavier than iron. And the degree of fine-tuning that we measure to get the planets and galaxies that are necessary for life and get the elements that are necessary for life rank as the most spectacular evidence we have for fine-tuning design. Literally, the level of evidence we see for that design ranks 10 trillion, 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 trillion trillion times greater than the best example of human uh, engineering, creativity, and design. And the point there is uh, that kind of design uh, points to intellect, knowledge, creativity, and power. And those are all attributes that only a personal being can manifest. And they're
0: attributes that only the Christian worldview ascribes to God, correct?
1: That's correct. And that's just the origin of the universe. When you look at the origin of life, uh, we now have evidence that uh, planet Earth at the time of the origin of life did not have any building block molecules. Uh, Isotope evidence tells us that the Earth has postbiotic building blocks, but not prebiotic building blocks. And we now know why. If the early Earth had oxygen in its atmosphere and ocean, that stops the possibility of of building block molecules. But if it doesn't have oxygen, ultraviolet radiation streams through from the sun unimpeded, and that too stops prebiotic chemistry. So if you got oxygen, it can't happen. If you don't have oxygen, it can't happen. And that's now a consensus of the origin of life research community that the building blocks were missing at the time of the origin of life. And you don't have to be a biochemist to realize if you don't have building block molecules, you don't have a naturalistic pathway for the origin of life. Uh, Coming need a supernatural
0: one. Exactly. Coming from a chemistry perspective. We always heard about the problem of homochirality in life, and even if you had those building blocks alone without a designer, you'd run into all sorts of trouble there as well.
1: Right. I mean, nowhere in the universe or on Earth do we see a natural source for homochiral uh, amino acids or homochiral sugars, and truth be told, we don't find any sugars, any of the five or six carbon sugars anywhere outside of living systems or the decay products of living systems. I mean, that lack of sugars is a profound problem for the naturalistic origin of life model.
0: So everything you're telling us is pointing to this one conclusion, and that's that the science tells us that what we see around us, both the physical universe and the life on this universe, all point to a creator that created this intentionally and created this universe willfully.
1: That's true, and he's been active throughout the history of the universe and the Earth. It's not just a one-time thing.
0: Absolutely. So now the question that people are going to ask is, what's the difference between what you're saying and intelligent design?
1: When we speak on university campuses, the, the charge we get back from the science professors is, intelligent design is not science. And I have to agree with him, because the way the intelligent design movement, as opposed to intelligent design has been framed, They don't identify the intelligent designer, and they really don't have a model for the origin and history of the universe, life, and humanity. And that's why scientists say, hey, there's no model here. This is not science. It's not testable. It's not falsifiable. It's not predictive. Now, to be fair to the intelligent design movement, components uh, are testable, but they really don't have a model uh, that explains the whole history of life because they're unwilling to take a stand on the uh, time frame for how long the universe has been here or the earth has been here uh, or who the intelligent designer is. So that's the key difference. We at Reasons to Believe identify the designer as Jesus Christ, and uh, we, we have the origin of the universe at 13.79 billion years ago, uh, the earth at 4.5562 billion years ago, Origin of Life at 3.8, because we're specific about the details of the timing and the location and the fact that we identify the intelligent designer explains why we're able to have a a testable biblical creation model. And when we speak in university campuses, uh, we're received. They may not agree with our conclusions, but they do recognize we have a place at the scientific table because our model is testable, falsifiable, and predictive, across the whole spectrum of everything we claim
0: now you're so you're not writing off the ID proponents you're just going a step further than they go and actually saying Jesus did all this stuff you're not making it ambiguous and unclear
1: yeah we're not ambiguous about the scientific details either I mean we're not afraid to say hey the universe is billions of years old
0: and that's something that we'll talk about in our next episode Well, that was a great interview with Dr. Hugh Ross. You can visit reasons.org to find out more about him. You can also go to Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and you can search for RTB official and find more about Reasons to Believe. Again, you can get more at reasons.org. In fact, you can even get Dr. Ross's testimony for free by clicking the microphone icon at reasons.org. Now, if you're just tuning in, I want to let you know the most important thing that I could ever let you know. (laughs) And if you've been listening to the whole show, I hope it all funneled you to this final point. And that's the reality that Jesus Christ, like Dr. Ross said, is Lord and Savior, creator of this universe who died on the cross for your sins and mine. Now, the Bible says that each one of us are sinful and separated from God. You don't need a whole lot to prove that to you. If you are sentient, you're probably aware of your own sin and how that separates you from a perfect God. Fortunately, the Bible says that God loves you with an infinite, everlasting love. His thoughts for you, the Bible says, outnumber the sand of the seashores. Incredible how much God loves you. In fact, he loved you so much that he sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, God in human flesh to live a perfect life that we could never live and to die on the cross for your sins and mine. In fact, my daughter caught this the other day. She said, And she's very young she's only five she said the reason jesus could die for us is because he had no sin we couldn't die for someone because we have our own sin that's exactly right jesus died for you because he was the perfect sinless sacrifice that god allowed to atone for your sins and mine jesus died on the cross and he rose on the third day he conquered death beating it so that each of us could look forward to an eternity with him if we put our faith and trust in him The Bible says you can be adopted into his family by doing that today, by putting your faith and trust in him. And you can do that by verbalizing it right now in prayer. You can say, Jesus, I believe that you are who you say you are and that you died on the cross for my sins. Please forgive me. Please come into my life. Please be my Savior and Lord. Thank you for conquering death for me so that I could look forward to a life on this planet full of meaning and purpose and a life in heaven with you for all of eternity. Thank you. Well, the Bible says that if you put your faith and trust in Jesus this morning, that you're his child and that nothing can ever take that away from you. I hope that you'll go to godsolutionshow.com and click the local churches link and visit a local church this weekend and grow in your walk with God. Well, thank you so much for listening to the God Solution Show. It is such a pleasure getting to talk to you every week. I hope that you'll tune in next week for the second part of the Dr. Ross interview. Like I always say, an open mind, honest heart humble approach, and diligent search always lead to Jesus. And that's my hope for you, that you'll find him this morning if you haven't already, and that you'll grow strong with him if you already know him. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you again next week.